Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Why don't you grab your Bibles and uh, notebooks, pens. You can text OLC notes to 94,000 and uh, get those in that you can fill the blanks and, uh, and then save them and have them for later uh, as, we, as you jump forward and be able to, to study and process what God's saying. And, uh, and it's awesome. It's awesome. How many of you just enjoyed Romans? Okay, awesome. How, how many of you maybe it gave you a little bit of a different perspective on some things? Like, oh, I hadn't thought about that before, you know, and seeing things from a, from a different picture. One of the things I, I love about doing a book study like this is it actually gives you like a full picture of what the writer was actually meaning when he was writing the whole book. You know, a lot of times we'll take a verse out of something, then the verse is powerful and it'll speak to us, but it's a totally different animal when we look at that verse in the context of the chapter that it was written in. And then if we back out even more and go looking at it in the context of the book that it was written, knowing who it was written to, why it was written, some of the meanings behind this, uh, just help us, helps us to have a little bit of a deeper understanding. And so hopefully it's done that for you and uh, been able to kind of process through the, the, the thought process of how Paul was going about this with, uh, with the Romans, uh, with the church in Rome. And so we're going to dig in. Um, we're going to do chapter 14 today. We're going to talk about chapter 14, and then we're going to round the corner uh, and finish it up at some point with uh, 15. <laughs> You know, just whenever the Holy Spirit says we're done is when we're done. Um, so we'll just, we'll continue with that. I will say this though, um, that uh, August 6th, will start 21 days of prayer for us. Um, and some more information will be coming about that soon. We do this every year and it's an opportunity for us to just take 21 days, focus in on God. Um, I've been really, really praying and sensing a really strong um, direction of where we're gonna go for those 21 days. Um, out of Mark 6, uh, something that Jesus, Jesus encouraged his disciples to do, and it's an incredible invitation that we're going to be talking about over those three weeks together. And so be ready for that. That's in a couple of weeks um, as we transition into what's next. All right. Last week, we talked about uh, submission to the government, and we talked about what this looks like and how what Paul was really talking about in this place is this area of preferences and opinions but then also where the line is to understanding how to obey a command of God and how to respectfully do that in a culture and a government that maybe doesn't promote that. And so we talked about that. If you missed that, uh, that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it uh, and just get that into your system. T today, the way that Paul wrote this is he takes the same theme that happened in the previous chapter and he continues it into Romans 14. And that theme that he's going to be talking about are these things in our Christian walk and these things that we have, each one of us in our relationship with God, that are preferences and opinions, okay? There's a lot of stuff in our Christian walk that we have to be on the same page about, that are non-negotiables, that, that, that there's no wiggle room, right? Like Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and, and being saved by faith in him and what he did, like that's kind of foundational, right? I hope that's foundational. Okay. That's kind of foundational. 
Okay, just checking, just checking. We'd have another fun conversation if that wasn't the case. All right, uh, so, so we have those things. But there are things in our walk with God and there are things that come with how we follow God that there are negotiables or that there's preferences about how we live life, how we follow Christ and some of these things. And this is the way that it's set up. And Paul is now talking about, so last week he talked about preferences when it comes to how to submit to the government, where there's a preference and where there's a line from God, okay? So he talks about this. The theme of of this chapter is saying, okay, now you have preferences, but how do you interact as the body of Christ in those preferences, in those opinions? Because there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. Because there's a way that honors one another and builds one another up and there's a way that doesn't. And so Paul's saying, listen, In these preferences that exist, you have to make sure that how you live out these areas is right and it's honoring and it's encouraging and it's respectful to one another. Now, the reason he talks about this is because there were there were really five different groups that made up um, the church in Rome. Okay, four of these groups were all Jews. Within, the, the, the Jude, within Judaism, there were the Pharisees, there were the Sadducees, there were the Zealots, and there, there, then there were the Essenes. There were four different groups. And each one of these different groups of Judaism had very different belief systems on some of the minute stuff of, of following God, right? They believed the same around some of the big issues, although some of them actually got off, right? So the, the, the Sadducees were just not right, period. You know, they were the ones who, they were sad, you see. Yeah, thank you. I just want to be a sheep. Bah, 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 bah. Nope. Okay. All right. Moving on. <clears throat> just coming out of my, my younger days. Um, but they had this dispute, and the dispute that they were having was over of some of these little minute things that really did not matter, but yet they were making them these massive things and bringing division within the body of Christ over these things. The fifth group that was in the church were the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were just like, you guys are out to lunch on all of it. You know, you're making this big deal out of this thing. And they're just like, we just love Jesus and we're just following him. And you had all of these different approaches to what was happening within the church. And it's within this context that Paul then writes to the church and he says, okay, there's some really important things that we need to remember about how we are supposed to do this with one another. So I'm going to read the first few verses of of Romans 14, and then we're going to uh, unpack it here a little bit. Verse one says this, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, One person believes that it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. And those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. 
So Paul's using two things here to help people understand this idea of of preference, but also of these things that we need to have unity around. And he's talking about food, okay? Now within, again, going back to these groups, um, the uh, the Essenes believed that you weren't supposed to eat meat. So they were like, nope, vegetarian only, you know, meat's terrible, we're not having anything to do with it, and which is fine, except they've started to make this like the thing, like, oh my word, you eat meat? Oh, how do you even follow Jesus? You know, like this, this is where they were coming from, right? And then you have the Pharisees and the Pharisees believed that if a chicken laid an egg on the Sabbath, you weren't supposed to eat that egg because the chicken labored to lay it. Like, what? You're gonna tell a chicken, hey, don't lay eggs on the Sabbath. You know, it's not acceptable, right? So there were these things that were going on. So Paul says this, listen, here's the danger in all of this. The danger is in criticizing one another over these different preferences. See, there's another, if you don't want to eat meat or if you don't want to eat meat, totally fine. It doesn't matter. Don't criticize one another in those beliefs. He also talks about the day. The day that is to be holy is the idea was that the, 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 the Jewish community, they would fast one day a week. And there was an argument over, is it always have to be the same day of the week and we all have to do it together or does it not matter? And if whenever you're going to fast and spend that day before the Lord, like make that day holy. And they were arguing over it. Can you see where this is like what they were arguing over is not like over the top stuff right? What they were arguing over and what was dividing the church were these pieces that were never supposed to divide, okay? So Paul writes to this. The, 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 the root of this, and this is what I want to get into for a second to give a framework for, for what Paul's talking about here. The framework is, is in our Christian walk and in our belief system of God, there are essentials, things that we all have to rally around and have unity in, And there are non-essentials, things where there are different approaches just like this, different food to eat, different day to be kept holy, like all of these things. There are essentials and there's non-essentials. What we need to do is we need to rally around the essentials. Now, the non-essentials, I want you to hear me on this, they're not less important. It's not like, like, and again, Paul talks about this. Whatever you are going to do in the space of these non-essentials, be convinced in your heart based off of what you see in the word of God that this is right and follow wholeheartedly in it. As long as you are not violating anything with scripture, but you're doing it to honor the Lord. So they're not less important, but don't let them be the thing that divides or brings judgment or criticism to each other. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? So, so there's a difference, right? Now, the essentials. These are some of the essentials that we all rally around. And I think that in this room, we would all agree on these things. And this is, this is kind of, some of this will be a little bit of a no-duh, but it's really important for us to outline these. The essentials, the deity of Christ, the belief that Jesus is God. Like, like that's pretty essential that we all need to have the same understanding on, Right? his divine status, who he is, his rule and his reign and everything that you read through scripture. That is an essential, okay? Another essential, and I said it before, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. It's an essential, right? This is, this is what we build our belief system on. This is what we build who we are on. The gospel is an essential. 
And, 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 and I'll put this too, the gospel including the resurrection. The gospel includes the entire life of Christ. That he was, he was the son of God sent as incarnate, was born of a virgin, lived a perfectly sinless life. And because he did that, he was able to be offered as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. When he did that, he hung on a cross, his shed blood paid the price for all of our sins, all of the things that we ever did, done, or will do, and all of those things, and then he died. But in three days, he rose, and when he did that, he showed that he had power over sin and death and the grave. All of these things work together. We have to be on the same page with those things. The Sadducees had removed the resurrection. You see how, how, how powerless the gospel is without, with, with removing the resurrection? We have to have the in total thing there together. A couple other words here, and, and these in and of themselves build into different belief systems, and, and so it's the workings of these together that are so key. The first of these is monotheism. Monotheism is the belief that there is one God, not multiple gods, not, not like the time that the Israelites were in Egypt where there was over 15,000 named gods. Now, I don't, I, if nothing else, that just sounds really exhausting. 15,000 gods, and you have to remember who does what and what you need to do to each one of those gods to get them to do what you want them to do. Like, that's exhausting, you know? But monotheism is there's one God, but paired with that is Trinitarianism. And that is that there is one God in three equal parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, these two have to work. There's one God, three equal parts. These are the essentials that we need to build our life around. Would you agree? Whether you can eat food or not eat food is non-essential. Whether you're going to fast on a certain day and we all have to fast together or whether you're going to fast on your own day or whatever it is, is not essential. Doesn't mean that it's unimportant because you and your walk with God and where you're at in your belief system and, and, and how that actually causes you to live your life is very important. But we have to keep these things in the right place and the right order. Okay, here's the point. God's design for the church is for us, the church, to be in unity on the essentials, and listen to this, full of grace for the non-essentials. Okay, do, you, do you hear me on this? Okay, I guarantee you that in this room, we probably all have a little bit of a different perspective on probably one or two things in the Bible. Like, that's just how it works, right? Like, that's, that's, that's a no-duh. But we have to make sure that if there is a difference of belief system in some of these things that are non-essential, that we have grace for one another, okay? This is what's really important. Now, now Paul uses a term in here where he talks about weak faith. And I just wanna give a definition of this for a second because this will help us kind of know what Paul is trying to encourage us in. Weak faith, in saying this, what he's talking about is a faith that has not yet come to full realization and for the freedom and liberty that comes with it. It is a growing faith. But he says, regardless of where you're at, so he says some people have a strong faith 
and they, they can eat this food and they fast on whatever day or a weak faith says, no, no, it has to be this day and we have to stay away from food. It, 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 it's people all over the spectrum. And where you're at on the spectrum is not the important thing. What Paul is saying is this. He says, listen, both sides have something that they need to be very careful and aware of. The sin that the strong in faith can stand in and can get into as to see others as weak if they don't hold to the same standards. So Paul says, be very careful that you don't look down on people who don't do the same thing that you do. And equally so, the people on the weak side. Whatever God has said, this is how I want you to live and this is your convictions and all of this, make sure that there's not judgment towards other people who are different. Paul says, make sure that you've got this stuff in place. See, in how we interact with each other, we all have the potential to sit in a level of sin because of how we look at the other person. Okay? We have to be very, very careful to make sure that what empowers us is the Holy Spirit and the love of God to be able to see each other with respect and honor and grace in these areas that there is these areas of these non-essentials that can be understood differently, okay? So, so this is what Paul's saying, okay? Does this, does this all make sense? Okay, so... The other thing about essentials and non-essentials, and then we're going to jump into a little bit of, of more of how Paul is unpacking this, is that we have to make sure, if there's essentials and there's non-essentials, we have to make sure that those stay in their place. We have to make sure that they don't flip-flop. We have to make sure that the non-essentials don't become essentials, heels to die on, and that don't, we don't minimize things that are core beliefs to the doctrine of Christianity and put them in this, this variable, well, there's, there's a lot of gray space with those. We have to make sure to keep them in their place. So, and here's why this is important. In the United States, conservatively, we have over 600 denominations, conservatively. Do you know why? Because non-essentials have become essential. It's the church taking these things that Paul's saying, you can be different on. Oh, no, 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 but we have to be the same. And when we turn it into essential, it breaks off and it brings division to the body of Christ. Okay, this is, this is the concern with this, right? And, and this is staggering that there's 45,000 and counting denominations around the world. They're all split over the non-essentials. So what's Paul say? Keep them in their place. Neither one is minimized. Both are important, but make sure that they stay where they're supposed to be. In other words, major on the majors, minor on the minors. Make sure that when you are viewing these things, that you're viewing them from a right perspective. Okay. This is important for us to have. Now, then Paul goes into this. He says, okay, great. So I've laid the groundwork here. Y'all are disagreeing over what food to eat and what day to fast. Like, do you understand how crazy this is, right? So he's laid a little bit of groundwork in this whole space to help us understand this. And then he lays something out that he says, now, wherever you sit in your following or your convictions of the non-essentials, 
What things you do, what things you don't, what level of, of, of things do you have in your life and, and, and these different things there. Whatever you do in that space must honor God. We must honor God in both the essentials and the non-essentials. This is the core, and this is where I think that we get off a lot of times, but I also think that it's something that can give us a brilliant filter for our lives. Because as we come with anything, it doesn't even matter what it is in scripture, whether it's an essential or a non-essential, if our filter and if the drive of my life is that everything I do is to honor God, it conditions what I do. It causes me to view things differently from a different perspective. Because it doesn't become just about what I think is right for me and how I do this and how I live this and the things that I believe. And the, it doesn't become about that. It becomes about, but it, are these things, are they honoring of God? He says in verse six, those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. And those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord. Since they gave thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat, uh, go back one, there we go, thank you. Those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please God and the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Okay, so this is the core. This is our motivation. This is the root of everything we do is to honor the Lord. Now, with this in mind, I want to give you a very important piece of information here. Not everything honors the Lord. See, one of the things as I was reading commentaries that Paul was having to address here is in doing this, there are some people that say, well, whatever I'm going to do, I'm just going to do it to honor the Lord. The problem is that there are things that do not honor the Lord. And he's very clear about it. We need to know what these things are. This passage does not excuse sin. Oh, I'm just doing whatever it is that feeds my flesh and, and all this, but I'm doing it to honor the Lord. That doesn't even work. Here's, here's the root of this. Anything that contradicts the word of God will never honor God. If you ever want, you know, like, okay, the basic of what it is to make sure that what I'm doing in my life, that it is actually honoring of God and it's lifting him up above everything. Well, I better make sure that whatever it is, it's alignment with the word of God. Okay. So, so this is what's really, really important. This is kind of a no duh thing, Right. Okay, all of it has to honor God. And there's a clear thing that God has given us called the Bible, called the word of God, full of the things that honor God and don't honor God. And it is our responsibility as believers to get into the word so that we understand, oh, these are the things that honor God. Oh, and these are the things that don't. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Does it make sense what he's saying? Okay. Now our conscience plays a key, play, a key role in this. If our conscience is grounded on the word of God, because if we go back to Romans one, there is the possibility for your conscience 
If you've adopted a fleshly mindset and if you've adopted sin and patterns in your life and you've convinced yourself that they're okay and that you can do them, you've actually severed and seared your conscience to now what your conscience is telling you is not actually grounded on the word of God. But if the word of God is your basis and that is what's bringing foundation to your conscience, then as you live out these things, the Bible will feed your conscience and you'll know, okay, this is a thing that is honoring to the Lord. And when I do this and when I live this way and when I, when I, when I treat people this way and when I go after people, like this is something that honors the Lord or not. But our conscience even has to make sure that it's grounded on the word of God, Okay. This is, what's, this is what's really important. So really all it comes down to is, is our life to say, who am I living my life for? Who am I living my life for? Am I living my life for myself or am I living my life for God? Because in that, it will dictate and it will determine everything else in your life about how you live. The decisions you make, the words you say, the, 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 the things that take place in your life, all of these things, depending on what our motivation and our filter is, okay? So, Paul's saying, very important. There's some things that we need to make sure that we have right. There's some things that are variables. There's some things that are non-variables, non-negotiables that you have to have down right. And at the root of everything, make sure that what you're doing is honoring to the Lord. And then he goes on to the next point. And this is where it comes in to us as the body of Christ. Because in our honor of the Lord, we must make sure to avoid judgment of one another. In honoring the Lord, we have to make sure that we are continuing to honor one another. This is really important, okay? Because the opposite is true, and we're gonna get into it in this passage that Paul talks about. If our entire motivation misses the part about how to honor and encourage and lift up one another, then the, the, the result is like devastating to the body of Christ, okay? Paul writes this in verses 10 and 11. So why do you condemn another believer? And why do you look down on another believer? Okay, th th this question right here, just to, just to pause for a second. The questions that Paul asks, it's not just something that he throws into his writing. It's very specific questions for a reason. And, and I think it's a question for us to actually ask ourselves. Why is it that judgment comes in and has a place in our heart? Why, why is that? Why, why is it that that, that that breeds so easily within the body of Christ? Why is it that this is thing that just, it runs rampant and, and before we know it, we're, we're casting judgment or we're, we're condemning other people or we're looking down on other people or, or all of this stuff, this scuttlebutt that just exists in the church and can't exist. Why is it so important? I was praying about this on Wednesday morning and there were three things that the Holy Spirit dropped in my mind as far as why we would actually have judgment and condemnation on somebody else. The first of them is insecurity. These aren't on the slides. These are just for you to write down. Insecurity in who you are, in who God's called you to be, in your understanding of, uh, in your faith in God, in your faith in Jesus, in your faith of the cross, in the cross, all of that can breed insecurity in you if it's not grounded. 
Insecurity causes there to be judgment towards other people. So identifying this and going anytime where maybe I have a little bit of me that's looking down a little bit on somebody else, I have to ask myself, am I, secu- am I insecure in an area of my life? Is there an area of my life that's just causing me to, to live in this place that brings condemnation? The other thing, the second thing that, that the Holy Spirit was reminding me of, the thing that causes us to look down on other people is pride. We literally think we've got it figured out. And so we look down on anybody that doesn't see it the same way, doesn't believe, doesn't act, doesn't, doesn't follow scripture the same way. We look down on it and we have this pride in our lives towards other people. Yes. We think somehow we've got it figured out. Yeah. We have to be really, really careful of this. And the third thing, and this one, this one is a big, big deal when it comes to how different people live within the body of Christ is a desire for fairness. Boy, I don't get to live like they do, or they should have the the same filter for life that I do. And we start to think, well, that's not fair. They get to live that way. I don't get to live that way or vice versa and all this kind of stuff. And we start to, to cast judgment on people because things are not fair. But I'm reminded of this, and I was talking with Hubert about this last week. I'm reminded of this, that God is not a fair God. I want you to think about this for a second. He is a just God. But if God was fair, you and I wouldn't have a chance of anything other than hell. Was it fair for Jesus to come down and to take every one of your sins when he died on the cross? so that all you had to do is have faith in him and be forgiven. That doesn't sound fair to me. How many of you are thankful that that wasn't fair? I'm thankful that he's still not standing there going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm left-handed, uh-huh, uh-huh. Couldn't do it. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Never mind, forget about it. It's important for us to understand the difference between these two things. So insecurity, pride, and a desire for fairness can be some of these things that can cause us to be judgmental towards other people. We have to be very, very aware of where the enemy comes in to try to breed these seeds in us towards the rest of the body of Christ. Paul's saying, listen, this brings division to the church. He's addressing this with the church in Rome because what was happening is they were on the verge of fracturing over these things, over whether or not to eat an egg from a chicken that was laid on the Sabbath. Think about that for a second. Just just think about that for a second, right? That was what was going to fracture the church. What? So let's make sure, let's make sure that we don't have judgment towards other people for any of these areas in our lives or in their lives. Um, Moving on, go ahead and go up to the next one, Andy. Uh, Okay, perfect, here we go. We are accountable, so in this whole space, this is the next part that Paul talks about in here. We are accountable to God, and this is the personal responsibility for each one of us. We're accountable to God for our life and not the life of somebody else. So in how you have treated, walked with, 
whether there's been condemnation or whether there's been judgment cast on other people for, for how they've lived their life. Like, listen, 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 listen. Every single one of us is accountable to God for how we live our lives. But you're not accountable for somebody else's life. You're accountable for your life. Now, now there is a part of responsibility and everything in, in parents with kids, and, and for sure there's a lot said about pastors would help people, and there's, there's an accountability to that, absolutely. But when it comes down to the core of what you believed and how you live, you are responsible for that before God. And so this, this causes us to really go, okay, okay, rather than standing here and looking down my nose at everybody else, I'm going to look in a mirror, which we have the best mirror, which is the word of God. And I'm going to actually look at myself and I'm going to get, okay, God, where do I need to grow? Where have I maybe been off? Where do I need to grow in my understanding and my faith in you? Not looking at other people as far as what they need to do, but what do I need to do? Are are you guys there? Do do you hear what I'm saying here? Paul's like, listen, your responsibility is not to look at somebody else and judge how they're living their life. God's not going to ask me when I get up to heaven about Tori's life. That's on Tori. (laughs) We have to understand this. We have to understand this in how we connect with each other. Okay. Verse 12 and 13, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Like you just can't get any plainer than that. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Like, like just, just stop, just stop. Just live lives that encourage one another and build people up. Just, just, just live lives that go, you know what? We are grounded on these non-essential things and let's build on those things. Let's build each other in those things. Let's build the church and the kingdom of God in those things, right? Like, like, like let's, let's, let's be really centered in this to understand what we're supposed to be about, right? So then Paul says this, and this is the practical steps as we get ready to close today. The practical steps are this. Paul says, listen, in your accountability, your personal accountability to God, aim for goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let this be your aim. Is what comes out of you goodness towards somebody else? Are you part of someone who is building up peace within the body of Christ? And are you someone who carries the joy of the Lord? Not happiness plastered on your face, but the the underpinning and the, and the, the firm foundation of a joy that resonates outside of your life. And then notice what Paul says. It's because of the Holy Spirit in you. You don't just try a little harder to be a little bit gooder. You don't try a little harder to be just a little bit peaceful. A little bit more joyful, no. The Holy Spirit empowers you to do those things. But Paul says, let it be your aim. Like, like think, this is where, this is the target. So, so, so head for that. In how you're connecting one another. Condemnation, shame, looking down on people, judgment. No, I want goodness for you. So if I want goodness to come out of my life, it's believing that I want goodness for your life. I want peace for your life. I want joy for your life. And so everything that comes out of me is to foster that in one another. Okay. 
This is what it is, okay? Romans uh, 17 and 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what to eat or what to drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And guess what else? There's a benefit. Others will approve of you too. If this is the motivation of your life. The second thing Paul says in here, as far as an aim for us, is to aim for harmony and to build one another up. Aim for harmony. I did a whole message of this right after we came here back and and talking about a symphony, which by the way, next week is one year. I was blown away. I was like, what? Oh my goodness. That went fast. So anyway, um, there's, there's that. Um, so, so, but we're talking about the idea is a symphony. We all play this part to create this beautiful melodious sound together to work in harmony. Verse 19 says it so well. So then let us aim for harmony. It's like I took it right from scripture in the church and try to build each other up. Aim for harmony. Now, now here's the thing about harmony. In relationship with one another, okay? Couple things. One, harmony involves knowing when I keep my opinion to myself. Again, again, going back to essentials and non-essentials. There is a time for non-essentials. But like Paul's saying, you have to determine, is this a time when as I step forward in my belief about some of these things, is it going to actually build somebody up or is it going to cause them to trip up? Going back to Romans 12, when he says, hey, think sensibly about this. When it comes to the body of Christ, think sensibly, be smart about this and understand, is this a time when my thought process on this would build up people around me? Or is this a time when maybe there's wrestling I need to know, okay, I'm going to focus on the essentials right now and come back to some of the non-essentials later, right? Does this make sense? We help each other. We sharpen each other. We encourage each other around the essentials. And there are also times for those non-essentials and to be able to have those conversations about those things. But what Paul's saying is make sure that in what food you eat and whether or not you fast on a certain day, make sure that those things do not trip people up, but they build people up. Make sense? Okay. Hebrews 3 says it this way. Hebrews 3 says, but encourage each other daily. Encourage. This is the Greek word for encourage is parakleo. And it means this is to comfort, to, to receive one another, to encourage and lift up one another. And it also has this idea of exhorting and to urge people forward in their walk with God. It's the thing that on a daily basis, what are we doing to actually encourage, to build up, to strengthen the people around me? Good question to ask. Is what I'm going to say in this moment, is it going to build up and edify or is it going to cause somebody to stumble? Having that in our mind at all times and knowing and discerning. And you know what so much of it is, um, is on timing. It's on timing on how we have some of these conversations with one another and the timing around some of those conversations to take place, okay? Makes sense? Makes sense? Okay. 
Now here's the goal. Okay, this is, this is the part for us to remember. If my goal is harmony and to build someone up, that will condition what I say and how I say it. If that is my goal is to build you up and the goal is to bring harmony and unity around these essentials, then what I say has a lot of weight and how I say it has a lot of weight. We just need to be aware of this. Paul writes this letter not to condemn, but he writes the letter to encourage us so that we understand there's a way to navigate this that we need to be very aware of. That we need to be smart when it comes to how we are to encourage and build up each other in the body of Christ. He says, listen, listen, listen. Be sensible about this. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit to love one another, to build each other up, to encourage people. Why? Because we together are building something amazing. We are part of building the kingdom of God here on earth. And what God's looking for is he's looking for a church that's unified, that can build the kingdom of God. That can be a representation of his presence here on earth. He's looking for this. This is what he's inviting us into in this place. Now, I didn't get to say this last week because I was too long-winded, but because this week I'm way better. I'm going to say two things from the end of Romans 13 that will absolutely help in our understanding of how we process with one another and how to make sure that there isn't condemnation and judgment in these non-essentials. Okay, here they are. Two things at the end of Romans 13. The first one, let love condition everything you do. Let love condition everything you do. Let that be the motivator. Let that be the thing that you lead with is love for one another. And secondly, put on Christ. The presence of the living God in your life. Because I guarantee you what, on our own, we will not have the ability to interact with one another the way that Christ is wanting us to be. We need him to show us how to do it. And here's the beautiful thing. We can ask for the spirit of God to be in us. And he will fill us with the ability to do that. It's a cool thing. And this is where it flips on the head. I know, I know the, the nature of Romans 14, which I don't typically like to do, but it does have some of these like, make sure you don't do this thing or make sure or be aware of this thing. And, and there's a lot of uh, more boundary and safeguards in place. But, but, but I, I like to flip it on this side and say this, that what if the motivation of us as One Life Church is to spur on and to sharpen one another in the essentials, to have grace in the non-essentials, and to let love condition everything that we do towards one another where we are building each other up, regardless of whether we're talking about a core doctrinal thing that has to do with Christianity or not, that we are building one another up. What if our motivation that in every conversation that we have and whatever we're doing, our goal is how can I better your life? How, how in this conversation can I help you to grow? Like, what would that look like if everything in me was conditioned 
to wanting Terry to go to the next level in his relationship with God. That when I'm having a conversation with him, it's all about going, wow, that's what God's doing in your life. And I just want to blow on that. What happened if this was our motivation around what we do? Um, this is where, and this is, this is a plug for something that's a big deal for our church is small groups. Because it's in those spaces that we actually get to do that to one another. We get to encourage one another. We get to build one another up. We, we get an opportunity to practice this. Sitting across the table from someone who might say something different, believe something different, do something different in some of these areas and going, oh, okay. Well, I have, I have a choice. I can either look down on that person or I can be responsible for encouraging that person and fostering unity and harmony in the body of Christ. Do you hear the heart of this? Something for us to be aware of. Something for us to think through. Now, I, I will say this as, as we close. And then I'm going to pray. As I was prepping this week, I, I, I want you to know as, as your pastor, I recognized areas in my life where I've been kind of guilty of some of this. And, it, and I'm emotional because it really got to me. What Paul's encouraging us to do, to build up one another. And I look at some of the areas in my life and I go, I haven't done that. My, my hope is that you hear my heart let the Holy Spirit convict you so that you can grow and so that we can bring harmony and unity to one another, that we can encourage one another, that we can build one another up, that we can strengthen each other. That I want you to know that this is fresh and real in my heart as well. And so I hope that God is speaking some things into your life too. I want to pray today and, and as we close... Hopefully you can identify a space in your life where maybe this has been true a little bit. And, and, and in, in full disclosure, it might not have anything to do with anybody here in, in, in one life. But where you've had an area of your life where maybe you're like, yeah, I think I've kind of, I've been a little judgmental. Yeah, I think, I think I've done a little bit of that. And recognizing that. How many of you would say that you can identify, yep, there's, there's an area in my life where I've been a little bit judgmental. Yeah. I want to pray for all of us because I think all of us, God wants to do a work in our lives today. All this makes sense? Okay. Why don't we do this? Why don't we stand together? Um, I, I'm going to pray but I'm, I'm going to pray as somebody who is right there with you. I'm going to pray as somebody who God's doing this work in my heart. And I know wants to do it in everybody's heart. So Father, I, I pray right now for your people. And Lord, I just... 
Lord, I thank you so much for Romans. I thank you for this chapter. I thank you for for what it um, exposes in our life and what it helps us to be able to grow in. And Father, I pray that you would help us today that as we live this out (laughs) as as a group of people, as a body and a family that you've called together, full of a bunch of messed up people, that Lord, you would help us to honor you, to honor one another. Lord, to not get stuck in the weeds on a lot of this stuff that is, even as we look outside of one life and we look into the the world and we look into the church culture around the world, these things that divide and that separate and that tear apart, Lord, I pray that none of that would be true here at one life. Lord, I pray that there would be a unity around what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that in those areas where this has been true, even if it's in the littlest form, that you would forgive us. Lord, you would forgive us for being judgmental towards somebody else, for looking down on somebody else, even for pride, even for these areas where we've thought maybe we've got it figured out a little bit more. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us and you would help us to be empowered by your spirit to love one another, to build one another up. Lord, I pray that the culture and the spirit of one life would be those that are so on the team of everybody else here that we would just build and encourage people up with every word that we say, with every interaction, with every thought, with every motive, with every intention of our heart that we would build each other up. And Father, I thank you that you are doing a work in us. I thank you that you are going before us. And Lord, more than anything else, I thank you, God. The truth is that Jesus said, I am building my church. And Jesus, I thank you that you are building your church. You've planted us, you've placed us, and God, you're working through us. And I thank you for that. Lord, empower us this week to be your hands and feet, to love, to honor, to encourage, to build up, to strengthen the rest of the body of Christ like you've called us to do. We thank you for it, Lord. Bless your people this week. I pray that you would walk with each one of us, that you would empower us by your spirit this week in everything that we do. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.